Hi everyone, happy Wicked Wednesday and welcome to Shivers Haunted. I am Gina Grossbauer, your curator for all things spooky. With the 4th of July just passing us by, today's topic will focus on those stereotypical horror movie tropes you usually see in slasher films, including the rules needing to be followed by the cast in order to survive, and tips on how to survive if you ever find yourself in a horror movie. Traditionally, you can see teenagers in almost all slasher movies as group-sized damsels in distress. Too young to take life seriously and too young to use common sense, the stereotypical teens are who we hope to get caught by the killer due to their naivety and overall ignorance. This is why we root for killers like Jason in Friday the 13th. We want to see this somewhat justified killer take revenge on the selfish, stupid teenagers who bullied and ultimately killed him. If karma has a chance to play a part in a horror movie, we almost always root for its justice. When discussing the typical formula, there are four archetypes and characters to note. The jock, the innocent virgin, who most times becomes the final girl. The slut, the troublemaker or stoner, who most often dies first. And the nerdy informed scholar. This formula dates back to the Evil Dead franchise of 1981 and has continued through movies such as Friday the 13th, the Evil Dead remake, the entire Scream franchise, and the parody Scary Movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and many more. Sometimes this formula is hidden by having our killer meet each of those characters at different times throughout the movie, but nine out of 10 times it will follow the same pattern and can give us, the audience, an advantage of what to look out for while watching. We can predict who will die first, second, third, fourth by following the formula and watching for patterns. For example, if we see a character smoke weed or do drugs, it is almost guaranteed that they will be the first to die. If they're in a group setting where everyone is smoking weed, then we can assume that all the participants will die at some point or will do nothing to present, prevent our primary character from meeting their destined fate because they're too drunk or too high to move or pay attention. As we discussed last week, if a woman is having meaningless sex in a slasher movie, aside from a film like Jennifer's Body, their character will be murdered second. This would dub the archetype as the slut who's punished for her so-called sins. We then have the jock, traditionally a man who acts before thinking and finds himself killed due to this. Most times, the slut and the jock will be together and might even be in the middle of having sex while meeting their inevitable fate. But other times, the jock will just be the one to say, we have to kill this guy before he kills more of us, and ultimately running towards fire without having any knowledge on how to dodge some flames reaching death due to pure stupidity and ego. Then we have the nerdy scholar. Most times this is a young man who has a crush on the innocent and is almost always framed for causing the murders because of their intelligence. More often than not, we will hear, you knew we would all be here. You knew we wouldn't have a way to call for help, something like that. And panicked teens will blame the one person who can actually help them. Because of the scholar's insecurities, that will sometimes just wander off and meet their fate in the middle of the woods by getting chopped up out of nowhere. Or conversely, they'll try so hard to convince everyone that they didn't do it, that they'll end up sounding like they're lying and the jock will kill them. Finally, we have the virgin or the innocent. Most times this is a girl who does not know her own mental and internal strength and has people around her telling her how smart and beautiful she is. She is sometimes the outcast, feeling like she does not fit in with her friends 
and is someone who on paper can empathize with the killer. If however, the innocent does not know her, does know her own strength, sorry, uh, then we have the amazing final girl. The final girl is the last character left alive from our original group and is the first and last person to face our killer. It's rare for our final girl to die, but happens in some movies with sequels, such as Nancy, our final girl in The Nightmare on Elm Street, dying in The Nightmare on Elm Street 3, or where an apocalypse happens and kills absolutely everyone, of course, including our final girl. Lori Strode in Halloween is the epitome of the final girl, fighting Michael Myers again and again, and being smart enough to do it each time with, hopefully, the least amount of casualties. She is an innocent, smart young lady who fits the mold and was one of the first to create it. Diving deeper into the Scream franchise created in 1996, this was the first self-aware slasher film ever created and has been dubbed as one of the best horror movies of all time because of this. It does a great job of subverting expectations of who the killer is throughout the movie with our local teens playing a whodunit game within their own group. Finding out that the traditional, traditional archetype of the killer is not at all true, while simultaneously forcing our other teens to follow the traditional horror rules to a T. Our nerdy scholar in the original Scream film, Randy Meeks, even tells the audience of the film what the rules of horror movies are in order to survive. He says, you can't have sex. You can never drink or do drugs. Never ever say, I'll be right back. If you push the laws, you will end up dead. Aside from the self-awareness of this statement, the killer in the film Ghostface, Ghostface uses horror lingo to stalk and kill his victims. When our characters answer the phone, Ghostface asks, what's your favorite scary movie? And goes on to give them trivia questions about each film. Another interesting side fact about Scream is that they have a fake horror movie created solely in their universe as their own version of Scream called Stab. Our characters reference and watch the Stab movies throughout the entire Scream franchise, and it creates even more of an audience and character connection that makes us feel like we're watching ourselves in a parallel universe. We do see each of the archetypes play out in the original Scream film and in the sequels that follow, with Sidney Prescott, the innocent, serving as our final girl. Because, however, our killer Ghostface is both Sidney's boyfriend, Billy, and his friend slash lover, Stu, there are two killers, ghost faces, I guess. We as the audience are still in for the surprise of the reveal. A more aggressive film to discuss is The Evil Dead. The original Evil Dead film was created in 1981, was considered as scary as The Exorcist times 100. You're stuck already feeling claustrophobic, plus the idea that everyone and anyone could get possessed and you might have to kill yourself or your friends on top of that is absolutely horrifying. Also, this is the first possession film where there is more than one character who can get possessed. The motive behind the 2013 remake of The Evil Dead is similar, but is a little bit different, with our main character Mia going to a deserted cabin in the woods with her friends and family to survive a drug detox. No phones, no way out besides one car. While at this cabin, her friends get bored and start exploring. The scholar in this film, Eric, finds a Necronomicon in the basement of the cabin and accidentally opens a portal for demons to enter. The Necronomicon is thought of as the book of demons, book of hell. Uh, it's a real thing that's actually studied in um, history. So look it up if you're interested in 
more about that. Um, but in true horror fashion, Eric is the last to die. And he also has a crush on Mia, while Mia survives both her detox and the demons, becoming our final girl. Evil Dead was inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's brutality. When you saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, maybe even for the first five minutes in the theaters, you wanted to leave from being so uncomfortable, which was partly the motive behind the aggressive images in the Evil Dead remake. There's one scene in particular that caused a lot of hate for the Evil Dead franchise, and that is the original possession scene. Unlike other possession movies where a ghostly spirit enters a human body in order to possess them, in the Evil Dead, we see our main character in the remake, it would be Mia, venturing into the woods and becoming wrapped up in the trees with strange vines holding her down and some entering her body through her vagina. The vine scene was intended as a graphic, memorable image to follow that uncomfortable motive not a scene to morally offend people with our director, Sam Raimi, saying that the most simple things in the wrong places make the most impact. Some fun facts about the evil dead in general are that the names of the main characters in the remake are David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, and Natalia, which is an acronym for demon, D-E-M-O-N. The demon voice in the original evil dead is the director, Sam Raimi saying, whoa, slowed down and deepened. Sam directed this movie from a very technical perspective from his film school background. Final Girls were very popular around that time and he created Ash as the first final boy in the original film. This was one of the first heroes that was just a regular guy. Stephen King wrote an article in 1982 in the Twilight Zone magazine saying how much he loved the evil dead saying it was the most ferociously original horror film. This article saved not only the actors of the original Evil Dead, but also Sam Raimi's career. In the original Evil Dead as well, final fun fact for you, the very first bloody image seen in the movie is a demon stabbing a girl in the Achilles tendon with a pencil. The director and all of the cast chose the Achilles tendon because for athletes, if you snap your Achilles, then you're done. This was meant to represent the fact that she was done for and destined for death and would be also recognizable for any athletes that were watching the movie. One final film worth mentioning is The Cabin in the Woods. Inspired by The Evil Dead, The Cabin in the Woods is an unexpectedly great horror movie that subverts our expectations through conspiracy married with horror. We have the same formula as The Evil Dead. Five friends go to a cabin in the woods for a getaway. No phones, no way out besides one car. All seems to be a typical teen slasher, except that we find out that the entire cabin is bugged with wires and cameras, and the government is watching our teens throughout their entire vacation, making bets on how each character will die and treating it like a fun game. The way that the tech workers watch the events play out in a way that is so casual is the same way in which we as the audience digest horror movies in general, with a large sense of depravity and insensitivity. The simulation-esque idea that the teens are victims of something that they don't have control over is representative of Big Brother and the idea that the government is watching us and is loosely holding together the chaos that is the secrets of society. We find out by the end of the movie that the government is using the cabin to kill teens in order to appease deities as means of sparing the earth from the apocalypse. 
as long as the deities feast on the five souls, they will leave the earth alone for X amount of time. The rules set forth by the deities are synonymous with the rules of slasher films. Stoner has to die first, slut dies second, virgins last, etc. Because our innocent final girl does not die, the deities are not appeased and decide to consume the earth entirely. This falls in line just as well with the formula that if the final girl can't survive, then no one can. If you want to watch a film that really spells out the archetype formulas that we've talked about today, this is the one to watch. Also, if you're more of a reader than a watcher, check out the book How to Survive a Horror Movie by Seth Smith. This book is a bit of a parody on how to know if you're in a horror movie and how to survive it, but also spells out the typical mistakes of our favorite horror characters. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out some of your old favorite slashers and have your mind blown with the patterns that you see. Please like and share and leave your comments and have a great Wicked Wednesday.